Another episode of the wonderful The Arsenio's ESL podcast, and today is a business English interview. Oh, yes, man, it has been such a long time since I've done one of these, man. And we're going to be diving back into these now. It's very unfortunate because I really wanted to do a very, very big segment in terms of having a decision making meeting. Um, but I still need to figure out, you know, who it is. I would like to bring, you know, several people on from different countries and stuff like that. And it's a little bit, it's really difficult, right? It's really difficult in a sense that I'm just trying to, you know, gather all the information. It would be like anywhere between 30 minutes to an hour. So again, if anyone is actually interested, hopefully by the time you actually message me, um, you know, uh, we, we would be able to do maybe a part two or maybe even a part three, depending on how many people do listen to me. But follow me on my Arsenio ZSL podcast. And if you want to join this decision-making meeting in terms of choosing the next James Bond, you know, looking at several profiles, listening to the interviews and making a final decision, as well as appointing a chairperson and everything. If you guys are interested in a really awesome segment, totally free, let me know. Reach out to me on Arsenio ZSL podcast and say, hey, I'm interested in the Choosing the next Bond decision-making meeting. I would absolutely appreciate that. And with that being said, again, thank you so much for tuning in to this one in company interviews before we dive into a segment in which a, the, a man by the name of Clive Russell, he's a design director of This Ain't Rock and Roll. It's like a fashion industry. We're going to be listening to him uh, go over some things. We'll be breaking down what he says. But before we watch, uh, I'm going to give you some things in regards to, yeah, do you agree with him? Right? And so the first question is, what I or what you potentially really like about business travel is meeting new people. So if you ever traveled business, or maybe you don't even travel business just yet, <laughs> given the fact COVID is still beating the hell out of us. Uh, in the past, or just meeting new people in general? Is that something that you like doing whilst, you know, you traveling? Or maybe you've never traveled before and you're 15, 16 years old. Do you like meeting new people in general? Now me, business travel, there are only two times that I actually did business travel. One only felt like a real business travel because I stayed at a business hotel. I went there purely for my, uh, my visa purposes uh, to get, to redo my non-B that I totally failed at. Uh, in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and the business hotel that I stayed at was G Tower. Now, two years later, I went back there, and it was an absolute, uh, the, the service, everything was absolute trash, right? However, the first time I went there, it was amazing. It, it was, it had all my business things. I had safety pins. I had a business center. It was so phenomenal, so amazing, you know, and you know, that's the only time I really travel by business. And to be honest with you, you know, if you travel by Air Asia on business, it doesn't really feel businessy. <laughs> you got to travel something bigger. But going to Malaysia, you only have three types of airlines. You have Melindo, you have Air Asia. And if you fly Thai Air Asia, that's much better. Don't fly Malaysia Air Asia. Total piece of shit. Oh, my God. Um, or Malaysia Airlines, which is an absolute, they are notoriously late. Okay, not because, and I'm not talking about, you know, the unfortunate, you know, shot down from Mr. Vlad Putin, no offense to my Russians, of one Malaysia flight or the disappearance of the other one where everyone just shrugged their shoulders and they no longer care. Um, and that's really, really sad, by the way. No, I'm just talking about them being late, shrugging their shoulders and not giving a fuck. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Okay, Malaysia Airlines, you just suck. Okay, that's all there is to it. Okay, end of discussion. Now, 
<sighs> that's technically the only time I flew uh, with, uh, the, you know, I did a business travel. I also had to get a visa in Vientiane, Lao. Uh, back in oh my god this had to be yeah 2018 this is four years ago my goodness and when I went to Vientiane Lao uh you know I flew Bangkok Airways and to be honest with you that is totally a business airline you know a lot of people would say it's a monopoly and I totally agree okay uh they jack up the prices you know flying into Koh Samui which is one of the uh, which is an island I would not recommend for anyone in the world do not go there go to Bali instead Bali is the most amazing place on the planet um, but yeah, they, you know, they monopolize Bangkok Airways, but they are phenomenal. They're always on time. Uh, the most amazing stewardess and everyone who flies on that airplane, they're all dressed up in business attire. It's the most amazing thing ever. I remember I went into the airline. I went to go sit down. I was flying there and this guy was like, Hey, uh, you know, do you mind, you know, one of my friends, he's going to come in and sit down here, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, this is a Thai guy speaking perfect English to me. I was like, dude, this is so amazing. <laughs> and so again, like from a sense where I do, I have experienced like business hotel. I've experienced, you know, uh, business air, uh, you know, a business flight. You know, I always felt like I was flying uh, businessy. If anytime I flew with Singapore Airlines, I love to dress up just because you got to dress up for the occasion, right? Uh, but meeting new people when, uh, you know, going on that trip, it's not something, it's not like at the top of my list. I'm like, okay, well, if I do meet new people, fantastic. Like I said, I met a Brazilian on the, the Vianchan Lao trip, uh, you know, and I only spoke to her just that one time. Uh, there was, a, you know, in Malaysia, it's very, very difficult to meet people in Malaysia. I don't know why, but, you know, meeting Malaysian folks, unless it's at the hotel or something very difficult. Hell, I met, I remember meeting a Singapore, uh, a Singaporean girl. I, I don't even know if she's a Singaporean, to be honest with you, Might, maybe Taiwanese or Chinese, but I met her at a hotel. Uh, what was it at? Oh my God. In Singapore, a beautiful tall, this was like three years ago. Wonderful girl, super nice. Right. And so Singapore, it's pretty easy to meet some folks out there too, but nonetheless, I do enjoy meeting new people. Uh, you <laughs> I've met some, you know, be it on a, a, what is it? The New Year's trip, waking up January 1st, New Year's and everything. I was playing uh, basketball and a lot of Thai people are apprehensive with being around, you know, color folks, even at some of the five-star resorts in Wahine, which is Southwest here from Bangkok. I, and I have no responsibility over their ignorance. You do as you please. That's not none of my business. But then I heard two kids just jump into the pool and I'm like, oh, okay. Because I also got some uh, some some uh, some not so good looks from the the, the Sikh community, which is um, an Indian community, very very prosperous community that uh, that is here within uh, Bangkok. And they were looking at me dirty, and I'm like, man, what the hell is going on here? I ain't looking at nobody else. This is BS. So I'm over here talking to my friend and everything. I hear two kids jump in, and they're speaking a language, and I'm like, I can't make out the words. But the next, you know, I made out somewhere and I'm like, oh, two Japanese kids. And I'm like, they're speaking Thai and they're speaking English to each other. What the hell is going on here? The mother comes along. Next, you know, we start up a conversation. That is a Thai mother speaks perfect English, perfect Japanese. She speaks English to her kids. Her kids speak English to one another. They also speak Japanese to one another. I was like, oh my God, they must be at an international school. Wonderful time. Meeting new people and having just great discussion like that. Is something that I just love to do. Absolutely 1000%. And so 
Now, over to you. Now, no disrespect to anything that I had said about, you know, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the Malaysia Airlines being shot down and, you know, on the border. I think they were going to the Netherlands, unfortunately. And no disrespect to the Sikh community. I love all of you, especially. I got really good folks out here in the Sikh community, as a matter of, as a matter of fact, I work out with, a, a, you know, I've known her for about two years. Her name's Joy. Uh, her children go to St. Andrews. It's one of the academies, uh, international school. It's one of the academies that if I do so happen to have a baby in the future, I would love to send them there because they focus a lot on creativity and development, you know? And she's the Sikh community. Greatest folks in the world. Greatest folks in the world. I love them like I do my next breath, man. They are, that man, me and them, and especially like second and third generation Burmese that live here in Bangkok. I swear we're like so close. <laughs> I love them, man. I love it. So anyways, in saying that, let's move on. This is going to be a long fucking podcast because I am on the fire and I just keep speaking. Number two, the best thing for me about handling calls is practicing English with other nationalities. Do you agree with that statement? Now, if you don't answer calls, cool. How about speaking to people online? Whatever it may be. Do you like practicing English with other nationalities? Now, again, you know, learning Spanish. Do I like practicing Spanish with other nationalities? Yes. Uh, you know, I love because I have a lot of, you know, uh, Mexican students, Peruvian students, Venezuelan students, Brazilian, although Portuguese, they speak Portuguese. Um, oh, my God. It, it, not, not Ecuador just yet. Uh, Colombian, of course. Damn. It's got to be a lot of them, no? Huh. I think things have changed, but I did finally get my first Moroccan student. Very grateful for him. He did get his TOEFL IBT score, by the way, but I love just speaking English or speaking any language to just about anyone. I am an open book because I know language is what brings and threads the world together. That's all there is to it. Question number three. Oh, this is a little bit of a negative question. What do you hate most about decision-making? Now, the question is, is not having enough time in your life. When it comes to decision-making, is that what you hate about decision-making is not having enough time? Uh, thankfully, I uh, the last time I ever been pressured in that way had to be probably 2019, 2020, uh, when I was working at one of the banks, KTB, as a matter of fact, uh, out here in uh, Bangkok and me doing big projects with them. And the HR lady, we call her a Manupa. <laughs> a Manupa is basically a grumpy old woman, right? And tie. And she's very demanding. She changes things up and she has these unrealistic deadlines. And I'm like, listen, you don't even pay me enough for these deadlines. You better, you don't have to kiss my ass for this deadline. Hell no, I'm not doing that. And then she's like, oh, you have to have it done by 3 p.m. She, HR, HR, HR. I'm like, you know what? And I remember saying this. I can't remember. It had to be 2019. And then I ended up doing a special project again in 2020 because this really nice, uh, she's an ex-flight attendant, absolutely gorgeous. Um, she was head of the project, so we didn't have these ridiculous ass deadlines instead of the Manute Pa. But the first time I had done those projects, it was like Manute Pa like crazy. And so I told my friend, I was like, this is the last time I'm doing this ever. And she's oh, okay, okay, I'm great. Because I'm like, I'm not getting any help from anyone. You're making me do all these. I got a great 96 fucking emails. Are you kidding me? Oh my God. And so that's why I said, you know what? Last time doing this. All y'all can kiss my black ass. How about that? <laughs> okay. Kiss my black. Well, it's not really black. A little bit mocha. <laughs> okay. Y'all kiss my ass. All right. I hate deadlines. And when I got to be quick with making a decision, 
that's when I just say, you know what? Fuck it. Okay. I say, fuck it. And the only time I'm pressured like that nowadays is when these garbage ass rogues. Oh man, I hate to be negative. These garbage ass rogues out here in Bangkok, Thailand, motherfucking shit makes no sense. Go right, go left, go straight. But each of them have this same goddamn name. Bangkok, Bangkok, Bangkok. Yet they go in three fucking different directions. And my friend's like, where do we go? Where do we go? I'm like, I don't know. Fuck it. Go straight. Why? Oh, my God. I don't know. You fuck. You call the fucking government and tell them that they're the biggest dipshits in the world. They have no fucking idea what they're doing. Okay? Tear down all the roads. Tear down everything in this goddamn city and rebuild a goddamn new one. Oh, my God. You guys have no idea. I mean, when I, when I was in Arizona going to college, man, those roads are so beautiful, so perfect, so clean, so five lane wide, just phenomenal. Okay, Vegas, we do got some shitty ass freeways, uh, the US 95 to be exact. Um, but to be honest with you, the I-15 is actually very, very good. That's the one that goes from, I believe, north to south. That connects the, um, oh man, if you go north, you go to Pahrump, Moapa Valley. Yeah, I used to run track and field there. So connecting that with obviously, you know, the Buffalo state line, which has a massive, uh, what is it, roller coaster, and you go straight into California, first going into Baker, then Bakersfield, stuff like that. But again, we've had shitty roads, but I've never seen anything on a scale like this. However, those of you who live in Los Angeles or anywhere, you guys may have seen the same amount of BS, but I could tell you right now. It, even if you're in LA, uh, there are going to be direct, it's going to be crystal clear. It's not like, oh, make a left and hurry up and do a roundabout within 10 fucking meters going at 100 kilometers per You see what I mean? It's just, it's, it's ridiculous, right? So anyways, I'm done with it. Okay, what am I talking about? Let's focus. All right, people, let's listen to this guy. And then I have a question for you at the very end. So again, Clyde Russell, he's going to be doing the chatathon, and we're going to go from there. But I just got to make sure that, okay, good. The sound's being shared. Okay. All right. So here we go. Tres, dos, equis. And we're a design agency based in the heart of London, sort of borough, um, with clients primarily in the charity sector, the Royal Horticultural Society, and... Uh, and we've done work for Alzheimer's, but we also do work for Berry Brothers, which are world-famous wine merchants, and uh, the National Gallery, the Tate Gallery, um, and a few other sort of big names besides. That is so boring. Luckily, oh in this day and age, um, we don't really have to do a lot of travelling for work. Um, we do work for clients overseas, but we tend to do that via the internet. Um, we'll do Skype calls and Skype conferences. Um, we do very, very little travel at all. I mean, I get to work on a bicycle. So it's sort of, it is, it is very nice. And, and that's something the internet has changed completely. I mean, in the past, uh, when I've worked at other agencies, we've, we've, we've had to fly out to various different European countries. But uh, we've never, I've never done much work outside of Europe. Oh, okay. So let's hurry up and unpack that. Skype, obviously, this was bigger maybe six, seven years ago. Uh, no one uses Skype anymore. Skype is absolute trash, right? Everyone uses Zoom. Uh, I think someone has Microsoft Teams is what they called. Um, Google Meet is an absolute disaster of biblical proportions, I swear. Um, but yeah, everyone uses Zoom. So you could only imagine six, seven years ago, 
this guy already saying, oh, we do a lot of things just via, you know, via Skype, via this. I'm like, oh, shit, can you imagine seven years later during the pandemic? I think they are fully, totally automated online, you know? So, anywho, business travel, not much. Let's go into handling calls. Our preferred method of communication on a day-to-day -day basis via the internet um, through a project management system called Basecamp. Um, but we do have um, members of staff who, who are client-facing, so which means they do a lot of the communication, they'll take the briefs, they'll talk with the client and consult with the client and then we'll do the work in-house at the, the agency. But we all meet with the clients as well and w our preferred method is face-to-face -face really because I think if you're, especially if you're showing work for the first time and the client is new, it's really important to, to actually be in the room with them and you can gauge their reaction to it a lot more easily. And we, we are definitely a consultancy so we do sort of try and work with our clients in that way. All right, now let's go I into think, making decisions. You know, decision making within the design industry is really, really important. We are designers. Designers make choices on a minute to minute basis. I'm perhaps overegging the point, but, you know, we start with a blank sheet of paper and a brief. And we have to sort of answer that brief and in an innovative and interesting way. Otherwise, the client will be disappointed with the work. But we have systems to help us do that. And the biggest thing is that we work very tightly together as a team. And, you know, some of us have been working together for 15 years now. And so we know and trust one another's judgment. So by getting together, looking at each other's thoughts and, and breaking that down between us, we can come to a final decision and a final route on, on the design that we'd, we'd like to take to, to our client. And obviously, you know, in what we do, that's really, really important because, you know, that's what the client buys at the end of the day. So that decision making is, is incredibly important within our industry. And, you know, I can't understate how important that is really. Ideas and, and, and decisions, are, you know, they form the basis of what we do. And there it is, people. So with that being said, oh, my God. Well, again, relatively boring. Can't really help you with that. Now, of course, you're listening to my voice. So, of course, you are excited. <laughs> OK, so not going to go over into all the crazy stuff. Um, you know, uh, you know, the de de designers don't trust each other's judgment and look at other, you know, look at each other's work and stuff like that. Breaking down final decision, you know, the decision-making process, not too much of a big problem, right? Now, designers, and I want to talk about appearance in general. How important is appearance in your industry, in your field of endeavor, in your country, in your neighborhood, in your family, in your culture, whatever it may be? And the reason why I ask you this is because, <laughs> oh, God, living in America, they are very judgy, right? And they, as in my fellow African-Americans, um, you can't wear pink or you're called homophobic slurs. Uh, you can't wear purple. You can't do this one little thing. If your sock is a little bit this or your color is just one shade off, my African-Americans would just jump all over me. And it's just, oh my God, man, I'm so grateful that I'm out of that. Uh, that, you know, that situation, because I would literally buy clothes just to impress those clowns, right? And so I am grateful, nonetheless, that I don't have to deal with folks like that anymore, especially in my preteen years. But looking at the industry now and looking at where I am now, not the X and out Australia, I just used to wear scrubs and everything. 
um, because I was a dental assistant. But here in Thailand, I think appearance is not too, well, appearance as in skin, totally different in Asia, right? You know, and I won't discuss that, but we just know the, the, the different trials and tribulations, especially my story in general. Uh, it was one of, you know, one of the, the, the craziest, uh, man, a life that, a, a story that I just had to overcome so much uh, myopic point of views, meaning secular mindsets, meaning people who only believe one type of skin color could be teachers, right? But if we look at what you wear in Thailand, it just all depends, right? Now, remember, you guys already know my story. Back in 2015, I started investing in a wardrobe for upwards to two years, seven suits, so many different shirts later. But I wasn't doing it for me. I was doing it to be accepted by others out here in society. Now, remember, back in 2015, 2017, before Netflix, before Wakanda, okay, before Thai people finally realized, oh, Black people aren't bad. They're so funny. I'm watching them on Netflix because they only believe the media and what movies would teach them before. Kind of funny, right? But nonetheless, hey, this is how people are, this is how subconscious minds are developed. Um, and so back in 2015, 20, you know, 2016, uh, those were, that's when racism was at its all-time high in this country. This is when they would put out a lot of articles saying that, you know, the government, immigration, police are out looking for black foreigners to arrest them. It's the craziest thing in the world, I swear. So Back then, it wasn't so much about all the ignorance of that. It was more about how can I present myself and develop confidence? Now, the thing is, I bought all the wardrobe, but I still wasn't confident because I had my identity stripped away from me through the negative opinions of society. So it wasn't until I did some deep healing and deep trauma healing where I finally said, holy fuck, I don't give a damn what I wear anymore. And so... It took me five years to start buying clothes again. Now, some of you would say, oh, Arsenio, so why'd you end up buying clothes? One, my shirts are so small now. And it's not because I got fatter. It's because I'm, my muscles are huge. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and two, I'm sexy. Three, I'm just like, you know what? It's that time. I can't just keep wearing these old ass clothes just because they're very uncomfortable. They don't fit. They look ridiculous. They're this, they're that. It's time for me to invest, but I'm not doing it for anyone else. I'm doing it for me. Now, although I did buy the clothes before I ended up going on the company training, and it's the impression and me just saying, Arsenio, have some respect for yourself, all right? Start investing. Go to a tailor. I started getting all these clothes and different things made, and it's not that it's important. It's not that I'm judged by it. It's that I deserve it, and it's for me. It's not to impress anyone else. So number one, do not impress, do not buy things to impress other people who don't even like you. No, I'm not saying that this company doesn't like me. I'm saying that I did that seven years ago. I use, man, if y'all, if y'all saw what I used to wear back then, man, boy, if I wore something like that in America or in a country where they don't judge by skin tone, holy Jesus Christ, people would say, oh my God, wow, you look so amazing today. Da -da 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 -da. Well, I used to walk into these companies with another Dutch teacher who was one of the most toxic human beings in the world, had probably about three and a half teeth in his mouth. And they loved him so much while they looked down on me because my skin tone. Back in 2015, back in 2016, even 17, right? But it wasn't until me saying, I'm going to do this for me. 
I had to do the deep trauma healing. Then I finally said, Arsenio, if you're going to buy clothes, you're going to buy them for you and just you. So buying it for other people, if you work in a job like that, where you're judged based on this and that, oh man, <sighs> I would just say, is, is that enough? Is that what you, is that the type of industry or type of job or type of life you want to live where you have to wear things to impress other people who are judging you based on what you're wearing? That's a question for you, you know, but me, I've been there. I've done that. Seven years ago, I wore all these wonderful suits, but I was still a broken human being inside that suit, you know, but then when I started wearing things and had that sense of belonging saying, Hey, regardless of what I wear, I have a sense of belonging. I have confidence within myself anymore because I had to change and rewire myself and figure out what, what my identity was going to be going forward from 2018 leading up to this beautiful moment. So that is a really good personal development question for you. And with that being said, people, thank you so much for tuning into another wonderful ESL podcast. We're going to be diving into influence. Oh, this is going to be one hell of, 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 of about several episodes. So you better brace yourself. All right. That being said, I'll, I'll see you in the next episode over and out.